This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Tonight I'm looking at a thought on the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you'll turn this evening to the book of Matthew chapter 26, and I'm looking at verse number 28. If you're visiting with us tonight, we have taken tonight and designated it to celebrate the Lord's table. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse number 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now in our scripture, we have come now roughly 18 hours before the death of the Lord Jesus. We are now roughly about half a mile due south from Bloody Calvary. Bloody Calvary at this time is known by very few people other than the vagabonds and the fugitives of the Roman government. It was just a place of execution, kind of like you and I would call Terre Haute or another federal penitentiary. It's just a place where convicts went to die. So now we are half a mile due south and we are in an upper room that is owned by the mother of John Mark, a woman whose name was Mary. Mary had given out her room, this, this dining hall, fellowship building, whatever you want to say, to this group of people, this band of Nazarenes or this band of Galileans that had come up for the celebration of the Passover Jesus had told these men to gather all of the elements that would be needed. And they gathered the elements that would have been needed for the normal Passover Seder or the Passover meal. There would have been five elements that would have been a part of that Passover meal. There was, there was the cup of wine. There was the unleavened bread. There was the lamb shank. There was the bitter herbs and different things like that. But that night, what they did not realize is that our Lord was going to give to them something that was going to revolutionize their life. You see, that Passover Seder, the five elements, they were there to represent the five elements of the Passover out of Egypt. But yet that night in Jerusalem, Jesus did not refer to five. He only picked up two. He didn't deal with the bitter herbs. He did not deal with the spices. He did not deal with the lamb shank. He only dealt with the, the bread and the cup. He said, this bread is going to represent my body. Why didn't the lamb shank mean anything? Because a lamb shank was paling in comparison to the lamb of God that was about to die. Why wasn't the bitter herbs, why weren't they used? Because what Jesus was about to do was going to be the last bitter thing that the people of God would ever have to remember because from that point forward in 18 and one half hours, our Lord was going to wipe his hands of all the bitterness that the devil and sin had thrown their way and he was going to cry, it is finished. What was finished? The death of sin was finished and the bitterness of sin is finished and the transgression of sin was finished and the bondage of sin was all going to be finished and it was nothing now but joy and peace and glory and happiness. But he said, I don't want you to ignore two of those things. And he picks up the bread and he says, this is my body 
Every time you remember this, you're not going to do it now in a Passover setting, but you're going to do it at what we call the Lord's table. And that's going to be called the Lord's Supper. What we celebrate tonight is not communion. You and I do not celebrate communion. Catholics celebrate communion. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. What's the difference? Well, the reason that they call it communion is they have a doctrine that is called transubstantiation. And what they believe is that when they take the bread and the cup, that the bread literally, physically, and actually becomes the body of Jesus inside of their mouth. And that the blood or the cup becomes the actual physical blood of the Lord Jesus. And so they say that they are doing that to be one with Christ. Now, beloved, what they get that from is the scripture when the Lord Jesus said, except ye eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place with me in the kingdom of God. That's not what Jesus was talking about. What Jesus was talking about in that scripture was the fact is you're going to do things that this world is going to look at you and think you're crazy. Now, here is why you and I don't celebrate the communion. We don't take the body. We don't take the blood. That was already done once and for all at bloody Calvary. When you and I take the elements of the Lord's table, I'm feeling Baptist right now. When you and I take the elements of the Lord's table, we are not saying we are becoming one with Christ. Honey, I'm already one with Christ, and I got baptized into that oneness at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in my soul. But tonight when I take the bread and the cup, it is my way and your way of saying we are remembering through these elements the bread, the broken body, and the cup, the spilled blood. We are remembering what Jesus did. Jesus gets to verse number 28, and this is what he says. He says, I want you to remember that this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He says this blood... This blood, this flowing river that's going to come forth from me. He said, it's going to have power. It's going to do three things as he tells us. It's going to remit your sins and it's going to be shed for many and it's going to bring about the New Testament. Now, beloved, what is blood? Blood is that liquid part of the circulatory system that puts into yourself nutrients and takes out of your circulatory system metabolic waste. That's a real big long way of putting in short redneck terms. It puts in the good stuff and it takes out the bad stuff. Now tonight, I can't tell you all about what physical blood will do for your body, but I sure enough can tell you what the spiritual blood can do in the body of a child of God. You see, it puts in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it takes out all of the waste of sin, and all of the waste of the former life, and all of the waste of the pain, and all of the waste of the problem, and all of the waste of the transgression, and all of the waste of what we used to be, and all of the bad, and all of the wrong, and all of the sin. It's all done away with by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now tonight I'm looking at the power of the blood of Jesus. Let me give you three things. Here's what Jesus said. He said, don't you ever forget. And honey, wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room that night when he said this. He said, number one, I want you to know about my blood. It is an amending blood. He said, this is my blood of the new Testament. 
It is an amending blood. Now, you and I look at that and we think New Testament in regards to the, the, the second half of our Bible. But that word testament is a Greek word that literally means a covenant or a contract. That word covenant there would have meant something in the eyes and the ears of a Jewish believer. Because this is what they said. He said this blood is going to bring about a new covenant, a new contract, a new testament. Now, here I'm just a simple redneck. Let me ask you a question. If you are bringing about a new covenant, doesn't that mean there is an old covenant? You say, what is the old covenant? The old covenant was those 613 laws and regulations and rules that were given to Moses at Mount Sinai and they are called the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments. And the Jew at that point were up under all of those regulations. That's why they had to shed the blood of the Lamb because it became impossible to keep every one of those laws and every one of those covenants. And tonight, here's what I'm telling you. And this is why we rejoice. When the Lord Jesus died, he said, my blood is about to flip the script. It's about to turn the page. And we're going to go from the old covenant to the new covenant. We're going to go from the old way to the new way. We're going to go from the old law to the new law. You say, what's the difference? between the old covenant and the new covenant. Well, let me put it to you like this. The old covenant came by Moses, but the new covenant came by Christ Jesus. The old covenant exposes sin, but the new covenant forgives sin. The old covenant, it covers sin, but the new covenant cleanses sin. The old covenant was ministered by an earthly high priest, but the new covenant is ministered by a heavenly high priest. The old covenant was given by the finger of God on Mount Sinai, but the new covenant was given by the finger of the Lord Jesus on Mount Calvary. The old covenant says do, but the new covenant says done. The old covenant was between a holy God and unholy man. But the new covenant is between a holy God and his holy son. The old covenant was written on tables of stone. But the new covenant is written on the table of our heart. The old covenant was made for the Jew. But the new covenant is made for whosoever will. The old covenant was made by a priesthood of Aaron. But the new covenant is ministered by a priesthood of Melchizedek. The old covenant was memorialized in the Passover meal. But the new covenant is memorialized in the Lord's Supper. The old covenant had to be reaffirmed once every year. But the new covenant was affirmed once and for all at bloody Calvary. The old covenant dictated the principles of physical warfare, but the New Testament dictates the principles of spiritual warfare. The old covenant was a conditional covenant, but the new covenant is an un 
unconditional covenant. You say, what does that mean? It means you can't do anything to get out of it. It means you can't do anything to break away from it. It means you can't do anything to jump out of it. It means the devil can't do nothing to pull you out of it. It means the world can't do nothing to get rid of it for you. It is unconditional, signed and sealed by the hand of God. The old covenant had a veil that separated God and man. But the new covenant has a veil that has been torn down. And now the way is open between God and man. The old covenant was a ministry of death. But the new covenant is a ministry of life. The old covenant gave a yoke of bondage. But the new covenant gives a yoke of life and liberty. The old covenant, honey, nobody was perfected. But in the new covenant, every white man and black man and red man and green man and blue man and purple man are made perfect in Jesus Christ. And tonight, we're not under the law. We're not under the old way. We're under the grace and mercy and truth and hope and life and peace and love and all of the other things that Jesus Christ has given to you and I. And all of that was done by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Number two, it's not just amending blood, but number two, it is ample blood. Watch what he says. He said, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Now, beloved brothers and sisters, we have people that are in other denominations. We have people that are in other rules and, and schisms and isms and all the types of philosophies that the church has brought about. And when they read that phrase, which was shed for many, they take that word many and say, evidently, the blood is only able to save the elect. Now, if you just take that word many on the surface, then that may be what you could read. But whenever you look at what that word many means in the Greek, that word many in the Greek is the Greek word police. And the word police, it literally means great, abundant, and plenteous. When Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for the sins of many, what was he saying? Was he saying it's only there for the ones that are elect? No, what he was saying is this. There is a big problem and I got a big solution. There is a great issue and I got a great solution. There is a sin problem and I've got a great solution. He was saying, you got a big deal, but I got a bigger deal. Deal. you got a big issue. I've got a bigger solution. What does that mean? Jesus said, my blood, it can save anybody. My blood, it can wash away anybody. My blood can help and heal anybody. I wrote down a few people that the blood of Jesus can take care of. Number one, the blood of Jesus is ample to save the white and the black, the male and the female, the adult and the child, the American and the Mexican, the Canadian and the Russian and the Ukrainian and the French and the Japanese and the Chinese. The blood of Jesus Christ is big enough to save the church member and the secularist and the murderer and the adulterer and the drunk and the addicted and the backslidden and the homosexual and the lesbian and the homeless and 
the rich and the idolater and the atheist. Honey, there have been a lot of people that have gone to the cross of the Lord Jesus with different stories, but every single one of them has stood up with the same song in their heart. And they say, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. What can make me whole again, honey? It's nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. You've never thrown a sin that his blood couldn't get rid of. You've never thrown a problem that his blood could not get rid of. You've never thrown a fear that his blood could not get rid of. You've never thrown a person that his blood could not get rid of. His blood is powerful. His blood is able. His blood is sufficient. His blood is plenteous. His blood is great. His blood is mercy. His blood is awesome. His blood is above all. His blood is blood. And his blood is greater than sin. And I remind you, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb of God. It is ample and sufficient to wash away your sins. And I say praise God for that. And tonight, when you partake of the cup, you're not just there to suck down a thimble full of grape juice. You're there as that juice coats your palate and runs down your throat to show you in that moment just a little juice takes over your entire palate. And that's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. Just a little blood will take care of the problem. Just a little blood will take care of the sin. Just a little blood. Just a little blood. Just a little blood. Why? Because it's an ample blood to take care. It's an amending blood. It took us from the old covenant to the new covenant. It's an ample blood. It's enough to save whatever problem comes that way. But number three, it's an absolving blood. Watch what he says. He said, this is the blood, my blood, of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. I was looking at that word remission the other day, and watch this phrase, remission. The Greek word remission, it literally means to release from bondage or imprisonment, to forgive or to pardon, watch this, to let go as if nothing had ever occurred. That's what the blood of Jesus does. The blood of Jesus washes over your soul and washes over your life. And when God the Father looks at you, He does not remember anything about your past. My God in heaven does not remember anything about your yesterday. It's all been forgiven. It's all been washed away. Now, I saw something today I'd never seen in all my life. I got to thinking about this, and I turned three Church of God flips there in my office. You say, what did you see? If you trace it all the way through the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, every time Jesus met a sinner, he had to address that sin. You say, how do you know that? Let me read a couple of these examples to you. In Matthew chapter number 9, he met a man that was sick of the palsy and evidently sin had put him in that bed because when Jesus healed him, he made this statement, Son, thy sins are forgiven. In Luke chapter 7, verse 47, there's a woman with an alabaster box, and she's anointing the feet of Jesus. After she gets done anointing the feet of Jesus, here's what Jesus said. He says, woman, thy sins are forgiven. 
John chapter 5, verse 14, the man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda, he gets up from the pool of Bethesda, goes into the sheep market, and the Lord Jesus sees him and says, who healed you? He said, I don't have any idea, but I sure would like to meet him. Jesus said, it was me, son. Go and do not sin anymore. John chapter number 8, there's a woman taken in the very act of adultery. She's brought before the feet of the Lord Jesus. Jesus writes in the sand, the accusers leave. He gets her up and he says, woman, go and sin no more. Watch this. Peter sins. Denies the Lord once, twice, three times. Three days after the sin of denial, Jesus meets him. And not one time does he ever bring it up. Not one time does he ever mention, Peter, we need to talk about something before we can move forward. We need to get something straight. It's as if it did not happen. It's as if it did not occur. It's as if it was wiped from the record. You say, when was it wiped from the record? It was wiped from the record when Jesus is on the cross and he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. And in that moment, in that second, in that very moment, in that millisecond, the Father said, yes, son, because of your blood, I'll treat everybody that is in Christ as if they never sinned in their entire existence. And that's why right now, when you go to the Father in prayer and the devil brings up all that stuff in the back and it just weighs you down, if you could hear your father say, son, daughter, I don't even know what you're upset about. I don't even know what you're thinking about. Your sins are all gone. Your sins are washed away. Your yesterday is absolved. And God treats you and I as if it never happens. How could that be? Because the blood has absolved all my sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now that does not mean you can go out here and live like a junkyard dog. In fact, if you live like a junkyard dog, there's a good chance you ain't never been in the house. But for the child of God, that's doing everything they can to walk right and live right and do right. And the Holy Ghost wants you to know, all I see when I look at you is red. You realize God ain't never seen a white man or a black man? He just sees red men and not red men. You realize God's never seen a man-man or a woe-man? He just sees red. He never sees sinners and he doesn't see non-sinners. He just sees red and not red. And so I come to tell you tonight, there is a reason why I rejoice. There is a reason why I'm excited. It's not because I'm perfect and it's not because I'm wonderful. It is because my sins have been washed away and they're absolved in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And I say praise the living God for the blood.